welcome race fans on behalf of hosts Jeremy Banning and Chris Goodacre to the Ileana Stock Car Radio Podcast. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you this week, so sit down, pull your seatbelts tight, and let's get ready to talk Chicagoland and Northern Indiana's short track stock car racing. Welcome, race fans, to episode number five of the Ileana Stock Car Radio Podcast. Jeremy Banning, Chris Goodacre here with you, as always. And, uh, well, we turned up the professionalism meter just a little bit. Just a bit. Just a little bit this week. New intros, new outros. New (laughs) fiddling with knobs. Fiddling with knobs and and trying to get things squared away. Uh, So we actually actually sound professional. Yeah, that would be great. Well, at least nothing else. We've got another great guest lined up this week. We have got none other than Paul Schaefer Jr. with us, the Arkham Midwest Tour, and former Ileana track champion. All right, Paul, you got us? Yep, I got you. Excellent. Well, uh, quite uh, quite the season this year for you in the Arca Midwest Tour. Uh, just telling our, our fans, our listeners here a little bit. Uh, of course, 2013 Ileana Speedway late model track champion, current competitor in the Arca Midwest Tour. Uh, looking at your stats from this past season, uh, not too shabby. 12 races, 6 top 10s, 4 top 5s, 3rd in the overall point standings, man. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, it's pretty good considering who's who you're up against and i mean time jeski i mean obviously he's one of the best in the country and dalton's ears not too far behind him so i mean to finish third behind those two it's not bad at all no. I mean, I, there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot of races where i wish we would have ran better of course but there's a lot where we ran real good so it's just kind of an up and down season i'd say um you know uh you know we kind of talk about obviously the tour stuff a little bit uh you know always uh, you know, any, anytime you're up in a, in a race against Ty Majeski, it, uh, seems like pretty much you're just racing for second. Uh, I mean, racing him kind of heads up, is he as, as good as it kind of appears that he is or? Well, I mean, you know what? As objective as you can be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's said everything from, you know, Ty Majeski is the greatest there is to his crew chief, Toby Noodleman being the greatest there is. And I mean, Somewhere in between there, I think they're both pretty good. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't be winning all the races that they do. I mean, he goes down south, out west. It doesn't matter where he goes. I mean, he's a threat to win the race, and it doesn't matter who you are. That's tough to do. So he's a real good driver. He's got to be in order to be that good, you know. Right. Well, yeah, you've definitely held your own this season, obviously, uh, with with the Tour Series doing that. Also done some local racing this season, uh, you know, did some appearances at Grundy County Speedway. I know you've done some legend stuff with Martin Motorsports and the Classy Chassis team. Kind of talk about some of the local stuff you did this year. Yeah, we. Um, I got, got a chance to run uh, Tom Martin's legend car uh, over with Classy Chassis, and uh, that, that's always a blast. I mean, it's just he's not too far from where I live, so. You know, I just show up, help him work on the car a little bit, and he lets me go race it. It's a lot of fun. His kid's starting to get into it a little bit. I look forward to helping him out as as the time comes. Yeah, I think one thing uh, you know a lot of us kind of do is is try to pass it forward onto the next generation. Even though you know we're not old by any any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you're uh, I believe you're a college student, right? 
yeah, I'm in college and I'm only 20 years old, but you know, it's still, I don't know, it still means a lot in order to help this kid get going a little bit, teach him how to get around there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we've kind of mentioned so far already that, uh, you know, you've done some local racing, you've done some tour racing, obviously former track champion at uh, Ileana Motor Speedway. Can you kind of talk about some of the differences, uh, you know, from racing on the local, you know, every Friday and Saturday night, uh, you know, those kind of shows versus the touring and, and the differences that in, in approach that you have to take to, to kind of tackle each discipline? Yeah. So, I mean, we raced the Grundy a couple times this summer and we ran pretty good. Every time we went over there, uh, we either, I think most of the local shows, when we went there, we won, and then the Benton House, and we struggled quite a bit. But um, it's, they're, they're all tough in their own respect. I mean, Grundy, you go over there, and you got to run 30 hard laps, 100%, 110%, I'd say. And, you know, it's just, there's no, there's no real give and take. It's just go, go, go for 30 straight laps, and then you're done. Whereas the Midwest Tour Race, you kind of pick your battle, save the tires, and, just kind of go on and make sure to finish in one piece and usually finish up towards the front. Now with that and with some of the tour races you've done, you've you've run some pretty big races, pretty notable races like the Winchester 400, the Snowball Derby, the Oktoberfest 200. Uh, kind of talk about running those those events. I mean, uh, I, I would imagine you know, kind of in our short track world, it's it's those would probably be equivalent to Daytona 500 type events for us, right? Uh, I'd say. I mean, no matter what, I always think, and I tell this to everybody, I think the Midwest Tour has the best racers in the country from, I mean, the Weinkoffs, the Holzhausen, to the Sauters. I mean, all them guys, even though they might not get the recognition that guys like Ty Majeski and, you know, some of them bigger names get, I mean, Wisconsin has the best racers in the country. And it it kind of shows when guys like Bubba Pollard come up here and Guys from down south come up to race with us. I mean, they struggle. I mean, I mean, not all the time do they come up here and whoop up on us. I mean, it's it's a good field of cars everywhere you go in Wisconsin. So I mean, taking that down south into the Winchester 400 and the Derby, it's it's um you kind of I don't want to say you have a leg up on everybody, but I mean the competition it's still good, but I don't think it's as good as the Midwest Tour. Right, yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, competition here in the Midwest and, and Wisconsin and everything. I mean, we're pretty biased. I mean, we're from the area. We we kind of see the, the hard competition, and, uh, you know, we're definitely proud of the racers that we produce. Um, you know, you, get, you think about, about legends that have come through this area, you know, the, the Wallace family, the Martins, uh, you know, everybody that's come through this, this area. So I think we kind of puff our chests out just a little bit. But, uh, you know, kind of speaking of some of those great drivers that come from the Midwest, obviously you're a Paul Schaefer Jr., so that means there's Paul Schaefer Sr., uh, quite the racer in his own right from, you know, dirt track racer. Uh, I think he's an Ileana Legends champion. Uh, of course, uh, we probably know him best as the monster truck guy <laughs> from, from around here. Uh, can you right. kind of talk, talk about uh, growing up in the racing family and, and kind of, I guess, having it in your blood, so to speak? Yeah, um, well, from me being born in 97, he was done with all the dirt uh, the dirt stuff, like the uh, circle track cars. So when, when I was growing up, it was all monster trucks up till probably, say, 07, 08. I mean, we went to shows all over from Utah down to Alabama, and my dad loved doing it. I mean, he had a lot of fun driving, said it was hard on his body, but he still enjoyed it, and he said there was money in it, which that's kind of why he got out of it. I was kind of getting older, and I started getting into circle track racing with the Bandoleros, Ileana, and we started to travel more with that, and he got out of the monster trucks because that sort of 
phased off into his own thing with Clear Channel and Monster Jam, and it, it turned into something way bigger than what my dad could sort of keep up with. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, then I started racing Bandos Legends and then Super Lates, and away we went. So how did, uh, you know, with him, you seeing him doing all the monster truck stuff, how did your love for racing kind of develop into the, uh, you know, pavement and the circle track stuff that, I guess, how did that transition go? Well, my dad had never really run pavement. He ran like a, say, a race or two and probably his whole life up until I got into it. And, um, you know, I always run, wanted to run asphalt, and my dad was always real supportive of me. So he, he got me a bandolero when I was probably, say, 11 years old, roughly, mm-hmm. and, um, we just started racing and we just traveled and traveled and we started winning races and then we just decided to move up and just from there it's history. We just had a blast doing it and still do. Now, I, you know, for me, inquiring minds want to know, have you ever driven one of the monster trucks? Uh, I drove one in a show one time in uh, 2013 at uh, the Porter County Fair uh, right there in Valpo. Uh, that was a blast. I mean, I had so much fun. I mean, it was a little hard on my neck and a little hard on my back. That's kind of tough to walk and move for about a week after. But, I mean, I hit the van and went way up in the air and slammed down, broke something in the rear end and jumped out, couldn't find my glasses. They flew off my face and somewhere in the truck and gave an interview and waved to the crowd, and they were all cheering. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was one of the cooler experiences I've had. How does that compare to, you know, maybe the adrenaline rush of uh, of running one of those monster trucks in a show like that, you know, versus, you know, say running like the Snowball Derby or something like that? Um, you know, I, I, I don't think they compare. I think the adrenaline in a monster truck's about tenfold of being in a stock car. Um, just because you, as soon as you hit the gas, I mean, it's 2,000 horsepower right there. And, I mean, it throws you back in the seat and you hit the cars and you're, head bouncing off the headrest and you can't see nothing at all and you're flying through the air and then you slam back down and you kind of bounce around and you're trying to gather where you're at and you're still wide open in the throttle so that's it's pretty cool it's uh where the stock car even though you don't have a whole lot of time to think in comparison you have a lot of time now i for my own personal uh, i guess mindset so to speak i kind of have to know obviously your car is is black and purple and and green where did the inspiration for those colors come from well um i know my dad loved uh black and green way back in the day he drove uh the mud well even before that he had uh black and green on his race car i don't know i think he just he just likes that and then growing up he always told me oh you don't want black purple and green on your race car it's ugly it's ugly so then, then I did, uh, for whatever reason. Well, one of those when your parents tell you not to do something, you want to do it even more, probably. Yeah, and especially seeing the old pictures and stuff of his race cars and getting to see the purple and the green. And even on his monster trucks, it was purple and green with the Monster Patrol and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, I don't know, monkey see, monkey do. I mean, sort of something like that. I was hoping you'd, you'd you know, have an ode there to Monster Patrol. I love that monster truck growing up. So Yeah. <laughs> so I was, was kind of hoping I mean, that's where it came from. So. Yeah, no, pretty much. Well, uh, I got to admit, over the last couple of years, anytime I've seen you, I've been a little bit jealous because you have this wonderful head of hair, or I guess had this wonderful head of hair. Yeah, and uh, had. And, yeah, for and, sure. and nature's been taking it from me kind of naturally. So, uh, you know, I try to live vicariously through other people that actually have hair. <laughs> so, um, but. You know, I think you've kind of been that guy, uh, you know, at at the racetracks, kind of the guy with a good head of hair and, and everything. Um, now, uh, as mentioned, you're a little more aerodynamic. <laughs> 
participated yeah. participated in the uh, Saint Baldrick's campaign. Um, mm-hmm. Can you uh, explain a little bit more about uh, you know for those that may not know what Saint Baldrick's is all about? Sure. So uh, Saint Saint Baldrick's is a foundation. They raise money for childhood cancer and. They hold events all over the country where it's like um, you you raise money for childhood cancer and then you shave your head in in order to um, sort of like an empathetic thing. So like know how it feels to feel that way. And except it's like a real happy thing when you do it. There, there, I think there was, uh, what was it, like 95 or 96 people that shaved their head at uh, the campus university thing. And I, I really didn't have any like pressure to do it. I just woke up on a Monday morning and said, well, we're going to do it. We'll make it 1500 for like a goal. And I, I know everybody in the racing community wanted to see me shave my head. And I, <laughs> I really, I really, you know, I, I figured that if I said, wait till I win a Midwest tour race, it could be a couple of years where, you know, here it could be a week, you know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was just something to do and, you know, it was for a good cause and I couldn't really think of a reason not to. So it was right. pretty cool. Right, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, if, if, you know, something like this or like some of the other uh, charities out there that are here, I think it's Locks of Love or something like that. I think it's, it's something similar to that. I don't know if that had ever, you know, been on your mind from the time you started growing your hair out or, uh, you know, or if, like you said, this was just kind of a whim kind of thing. Yeah, it was definitely just on a whim. Just, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a rhyme or reason or a goal to do that. And so I just sort of went with it and it turned out okay. It's starting to grow back now. People keep asking me, uh, if if I'm gonna grow it out again, or if I'm not, I'm like uh, I don't know. Maybe for now, it's I'm just gonna let it grow, but it'll take a couple of years. Oh yeah, it'll definitely take a little while to a little while to come back. But probably in the meantime, you're taking up stock in in beanies with it getting cold outside. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and, and now the last I think I heard uh, on on the live video that I I saw um, was it like you raised like two thousand dollars in like twenty four hours or something with this? Yeah, pretty much. It was uh, I think we raised fifteen hundred in the first uh, twenty four hours, and then another five hundred in the twenty four hours following that. So in about two days, it was about two thousand dollars. Just I mean, mostly racing people that donated, um, but a lot of people from class and campus and all that kind of stuff donated too. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely cool that you did something like that. Um, definitely for a good cause. Uh, I think if anybody else is, uh, is out there considering, uh, you know, doing something like that, you can definitely, you know, find them on online, uh, St. Baldrick's and, and kind of research that cause right there. But definitely, definitely a pretty cool thing. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously college student uh, on campus. Uh, just out of curiosity, what, what are you studying? Uh, I actually uh, just changed my major to accounting. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it yet. I mean, obviously my dad has like a junkyard and I've taken an interest in messing around with that and trying to run that. But I mean, an accounting degree, you can sort of do anything with it. So sort of like a backup plan. Well, sounds good. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the dust has not yet settled, so to speak, on 2017. So naturally I have to ask you about 2018. Can you let us in on any plans that you might have for 2018 season yet? Um, I really don't have anything planned yet. Um, I've talked to my crew chief, Chris Purdy, a little bit about it. I've talked to my dad a little bit about it, but I really don't have anything set in stone. We're not real sure if we're going to run the Midwest tour again or just bounce around at some of the shows we want to go to. Um, obviously I love supporting Greg McCarns and everything that he does. So we run like the triple crown and, you know, some of the small things like that, that he puts on. Um, but you know, we really just don't know yet. Um, the Midwest tour is fun and all, but it's kind of tough when we go to like a lot of them smaller racetracks that we sort of struggle at. 
it doesn't really make you want to go there. It's just not nearly as fun. So it's uh, it's just sort of up in the air. I'm pretty sure we'll be racing, but I'm not sure where. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we de- we definitely hope to uh, run into you. Well, not not literally run into a, into you. That would that would yeah, kind of be well, the opposite of what we want to do. But maybe cross right. paths. How about that? Uh, you know, in in 2018. Um, obviously, before we let you go, and again, we thank you for being on here. Uh, you got anybody you want to thank out there? Uh, you know, for helping you get through. Uh, you know, the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just can't thank my uh, crew chief Chris Purdy enough. He gets the car ready week in and week out. I mean, without him, there wouldn't be an operation. Um, so there's him, my dad for putting the bill, and then all the guys that help with the track week in and week out. Guys like Dave Billings, um, Daryl Phillips, he helps us every now and again, and there's a couple other guys. Then uh, my sponsors, ClassyChassisTrucks.com, Tom Martin, him and his family. They always help me out with whatever I need, and Maxim Power Sports, and Paul's out of here. Without without all of them, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Yeah, and we uh, you know we definitely enjoy watching you do what you do. Uh, you've definitely been uh, someone that we've kept an eye on for several years now uh, in the local racing scene. So, well, Paul, uh, again, you know, we thank you for taking some time out to talk to us. We wish you nothing but the best. Uh, you know, whatever you decide to do next season. All right, thanks. All right, thanks, Paul. We'll catch you later. All right, and that was Paul Schaefer Jr. out of Portage, Indiana. Cool, uh, cool interview. Yeah, uh, he's he's come a long way since the days of the Bandoleros and Legends. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can remember the couple first times saw him in a late model. Uh, I think he ran Govert's cars. Yeah, for the first year. year so. um, you know, it was it was pretty cool to see uh, see him come up through the ranks, like he said. And uh, you know, he's definitely uh, definitely become quite the racer. Uh, oh yeah. In, in his oh own yeah. Right. Uh, you know, very... interviewer too. I, I remember popping out of the Bandolero and uh, Dave Alger to go down to interview him. And uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they all just about start out that way. I mean, well, it's also Dave Alger. Love the guy to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's been awesome to watch him. And, and again, we thank him for you know for take, taking some time out to talk to us. And uh, no, you uh, had the pleasure of going to the Grundy County Banquet here this past I weekend. I did. How'd that go? That, it was a banquet. <laughs> I mean, um, were you a popular man on campus or what? Well, yeah, because I, I was the one with the camera. Well, as you typically are. Yes, I mean, go figure. You um, have the camera, I know. Yeah, it, it got to the point, I think, some some of the uh, the winners turned it into a family portrait shoot, which I'm all for. Right. But yeah, it was that was a great time. I saw some people I haven't seen in uh, a well, couple weeks. Months. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, the last, it's the last chance I'm going to get to see him, I guess, for the most part, until I go back to practice next year. Um, apparently, I, I have been volunteered, I guess. Or voluntold. Voluntold, that would be it. Yeah. Um, our our last guest, Christy Penrod, told me in no uncertain terms, I will be at World of Wheels. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'll pencil that one in. Yeah. I, well, yeah. You've been you've been told. I, I've been voluntold. Yes. Um. Doctor's orders. <clears throat> oh yeah. <laughs> well then, I I guess I'll take two and call her in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was a lot of fun though. I I haven't been to a banquet since the last Ileana banquet and. I think the highlight of the night was, uh, you know, Timmy Stewart and his his racing group. Um, they all have the the black and white cars with the orange interior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure the exact story. I'm sure somebody will tell me a version of the exact story at some point. But they they've kind of been known around campus as the uh, the penguin 
team, something like that. Okay. And anyway, um, it was late in the night. The music was going. All the awards were given out, and this penguin strolls onto the dance floor, and I mean the costume got passed around. So so several people were the penguin, but that, that was that was just. It was special. You mentioned that I'm having like flashbacks from like Billy Madison. Yes, that's pretty much <laughs> what we're going for. In fact, I'm pretty sure uh, Christy Penrod's dad still doesn't believe that the penguin wasn't a hallucination. Well, I mean, racers and alcohol are yes, involved. Yes, that, that would be the exact situation. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's not necessarily not plausible. No, <laughs> but it's, I, I was sober because I was working, but I saw a penguin, so... Okay. It was there. Well, you know, I mean, you could have been hallucinating too. I mean, it could have been something in the air, I guess. Well, yeah, it was a long night. <laughs> as as they typically are. Um so I mean, I mean, were you recognized as the host of this fantastic broadcast or, or what? Actually, or? yes. Um of all people, James Gregate. Yes. Uh he he said, "You're the other guy. You're the other guy." Yes, I'm the other guy. The other guy. <laughs> it's the first guy and the second guy. Yeah, well, hey. We're we're like Half a guy and half a guy. Yeah, but no, yeah. I, no that, that doesn't add up, right? <laughs> well, it, well, yeah, half and half adds up to one. I mean, that, unless we're doing that new math. Well, okay. Based on our last episode, I think between the two of us, we might have almost a whole brain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Somewhere in there, might there be you go. Entire brain. So yeah, made. I'm not going to say really made new friends because I was already friends with them, but our our list of potential people that we're going to say, hey, you don't have a choice. You're going to come talk to us. Has grown a little bit. I, I, now, to be fair, we've at least given some of our guests a choice. Uh, I emphasize some. Uh, okay, well, I gave Paul a choice. Okay, Paul had a choice. I, yes. He had a choice. Paul had a choice. I, I asked nicely. Christy almost had a choice. Stan really didn't have a choice. No. So, well, he paid for the thing. That's true. Yeah, we're grateful to have all of our guests. Though. Yes, we I are. Mean, it, again, as we mentioned last week, any time that we can take the pressure off of us to yeah. have a good broadcast oh, God, here yeah. is... It's welcome because I mean we end up like this where we're just talking. Yeah. How far did the uh, did the script end there? Uh, oh, oh, a while ago, I guess. Okay. It was. I don't know. I thought it was long, but you know, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Anything else notable? Um, let's about? say you you were talking uh, Wisconsin drivers with Paul there, Matt Kenseth. Oh yeah, man! Look at him getting that uh, going down there and getting that win in Phoenix. Yeah, uh, man, that was a lot of emotion out of Matt Kenseth. That was Holy cow, and deservedly so. I mean, if it ends up being his last race win, it, he got it. Yeah, I mean, I hope that he comes back and races some up here. You know, in the Midwest. Me too. I, you know, I, you know, I, I was, I, I wouldn't really call myself a Matt Kenseth fan growing up but he was he was one of the cars i recognized absolutely you know, I, I was always larry Schuler, joe Shear, but kenseth was one that if you know larry and joe and dave weltmeyer weren't i guess weren't competitive uh, I, I could work with kenseth yeah yeah and so yeah when he went to nascar like all right go kenseth he's, he's one of our guys yeah see i was kind of you know he came in and, and junior came in at the same time so it's kind of like a ford versus chevy thing for me and i had to go to the earnhardt route you well know, but, uh, don't get me wrong i'm still an earnhardt <laughs> fan but a as i've grown i guess my brand loyalties aren't as important as my driver loyalties uh, yeah maybe. i would agree with that that's probably like I, I i will always go chevy over ford but that doesn't make me not a tony stewart fan true oh absolutely you know, I, I think some of that kind of goes back to just the short trackness. Uh, you know, you know, knowing that 
like guys like Tony Stewart and Matt Kenseth. I mean, they're just racers. Yeah. They're just racers. You know, they came obviously from the short tracks. They still do short track stuff. I know Kenseth still runs some, some mm. late model stuff up in Madison and stuff every now and then. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it was awesome to see. Uh, I hate that he chased down and passed Chase Elliott at the end, but I was well, really rooting for Chase. That, that but... was going to be the next thing is, uh, Chase and Denny. Short tracking it out at Phoenix. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I here's where I'm at with this. Okay, so hang on, opinions coming in. Opinion, yeah, opinion coming in. Three, two, one. Uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of. Well, if you don't condone what Denny did to Chase, then you can't condone what Chase did to Denny. I think it's completely different. Uh, you know, I look at what Denny did to Chase at Martinsville. He completely dumped him. That was it. Chase just raced Denny really, really hard. Right. And what shocked me, and I thought about this for a while, and then NBC, you know, on their little weekly, you know, weekly night show, they kind of talked about it. Why didn't Denny just let him go? You know, you have to kind of know the situation. You know, Denny was ahead of Brad Keselowski at that time. That's all he needed to do to make the championship four. And he's sitting there racing Chase Elliott, who you know is not going to make things easier. Right, there, there's no hard feelings there at all. Right. I mean, dude, just let him go. And Chase ran him hard. Yeah, ran him up the racetrack. He didn't flat out wreck him. You know, so I I, I have definitely have no problem at what Chase did. Um, I think when you have been raced the way he was raced, I think that's kind of a, okay, this is how we race going forward. You know, Right, That's and from our background, that's, Kind of what happens. Exactly. It's... Racers have probably the best memory of anybody I have ever like talked elef- to. Like elephants. Yeah. You know, it, it, we, you know, we may not be able to remember, you know, people's names or, or faces, or but we can remember what so-and-so did to us on lap three of the feature uh-huh. two years ago, you know. So, yeah, it was good, hard, short track racing. It was aggressive. Uh, you know, Chase Elliott had one mission. That was to win the race. Um, anything short of that was going to be failure. Uh, and he did unfortunately come up one spot short, but I think another thing that, that I thought about, I think about Martinsville and how good of a race that was. Phoenix was a pretty good race too, especially there at the end. Less mile and a half, please. I mean, let's just race at, at, at places like Martinsville and Phoenix and Richmond. Yeah. You know, week. I, I know of an unused half mile of asphalt sitting in the middle of a cornfield somewhere in northwest indiana that's that's it. it could be used that may or may not have its namesake on this podcast maybe, maybe. just maybe okay okay but yeah i you know don't get me wrong this you know coming up at homestead here this week uh, homestead's a pretty cool track it's neat yeah it's, it's a very unique mile and a half kind of like uh you know chicago land speedway is here well in and even backyard. that you know mile and a half are okay if they're not the same mile and a half yeah exactly uh, you know i i can't I can't rag on Chicago too much because it is our home track. Yep. But good God, there's so many D ovals that are mile and a half that it. Or somebody even said one of the NASCAR drivers that I think they they came down the back stretch of Kansas and could swear they were at Chicago. Which is kind of crazy because the back stretch at Chicago is not straight; it's curved. Right. And that's but the it, only one that does it, that. But I mean, they're sister tracks. That, yeah. Kansas and Chicago are sister tracks, and we go to Kansas twice, which is at least one time too many. Yeah. Um, Vegas, we're going to go to Vegas twice next year, which is going to be one time too many. Tex- you know, it, go to we're, Texas. We're almost one at the point. Get rid of the short tracks and the the super speedways, and just make that a mile and a half series. 
You know, I... Well, I mean, no one will th- watch it. Those words... Well, uh, I'm trying to say... Uh, who watches it now? But <laughs> obviously, we're talking. We're that. talking about it. So well, obviously, it, yes. But didn't we just go over that we have half a brain between us? Well, that is true. We did um, cover that. But you know, I, I miss I miss the days of and you know Paul was talking about the uh, the Midwest. Or I miss the days of Art Go. Mm-hmm. That should be the national series. And okay, national touring like three or four states, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Should that, be a nationally televised kind of right, thing. Yeah. Right, right. That is the caliber racing that we just don't see anymore. No, you don't. I think, uh, yeah, obviously things are a lot more technologically advanced today. Right, um, and and therein lies another problem is Artgo rules were every track around rules. You you could take your Joe Shears and Larry Schulers and run them against your Dan O'Dells. You know, you could run those cars anywhere, and anybody that races that track locally could run with you. Well, I think that's the one thing that you know, dirt tracks do better than asphalt oh, tracks. Oh God, yes. You know, between uh, UMP and IMCA, there's a lot of cross uh, cross sanction. Right. Um, um, you know, I, I'm more or less family friends with uh, the Nick Allen racing team. He can run that car anywhere. He has run that car anywhere. Right. Whereas you think of you know a, taking a uh, super late model from Grundy. You cannot take that to right. South Bend. And oh, absolutely run it. not! You couldn't even take a Grundy late model Ileana and run the same. Yeah, so I think that I definitely think that's one thing that asphalt racing can learn from dirt track racing uh, is that there needs to be a lot more cooperation and somehow, even if it's not you know related to a tour or a touring series, some kind of cross between hey, yeah. we're going to come up with a, some kind of standardized rule set that you can take you know car a to any one of these tracks right and and be legal and competitive right I, I remember back in my youth you know we after the races friday night at grundy would go through the pits and everybody would have the rear ends torn out because they're just switching the gear over to race at Ileana the next night mm-hmm. i mean for other reasons you don't see that anymore but even even when Ileana was still around you didn't see that anymore if you do run both tracks you've got a grundy car and you've got an Ileana car because the rules aren't really all that compatible Right, which I think that's definitely one thing that that hurt. I don't want to say hurt Ileana, but well, I, think it I, I think it hurts local racing. It, I think it, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It just hurts local racing in general, where you have some of these tracks that, I mean, if you really wanted to back in the day, you could run, you know, Thursday, Friday, right. Saturday, um, Sunday. Uh, Larry Schuler, it was, and if Dad were sitting here, and we're going to get him on to talk history at some point, um, it was sometime in the seventies. He won, he won a championship at, I believe it was Wisconsin International. Grundy County and Ileana in the same year, I believe with the same car. That's you don't see that anymore either. No, not at all. And nor would you. Uh, you know, kind of you you mentioned it. I mean, even just for, you know, local local nightly stuff, I mean, you know, there's folks that have Grundy cars and, and Ileana cars and uh, you know, whereas yeah, you're you're just not going to see that right. that anymore, which is which is unfortunate and I think that's one thing that uh, you know, short track racing needs needs especially asphalt racing um even even you look at like the legend cars and stuff anymore you know you take a legend car from around here and you take it down south right it's it's, it's a different it's, breed it's a different breed it's a different ball game and they were they were meant for this it was supposed to be you know the one sanctioning, right one set of rules you can run it anywhere run it anywhere and even, and even that has evolved or devolved i guess you know in this case so I definitely think asphalt could do racing could do a little bit better in that that approach. 
Anything else we want to rant right now? Oh, I don't know. Have we ranted enough yet? Oh, have we? Have we? <laughs> this one, this episode's kind of bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our old ones used to be bitter before we, you know, rebranded. Well, yeah, but we were complaining about NASCAR. Well, yeah. Now we're complaining about people that we love. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, I guess the moral of the story is that we're racers and we always complain. Yeah. Especially drivers, former drivers. Yes, and I believe uh, going around on Facebook probably once a month is how to run a racetrack or how I would run the racetrack by everybody on the internet. Uh, yeah, by everybody. All right, we're, we're not trying to tell you how to run your track. We're just This is a just o- open and honest criticism or uh, I don't even know if it's criticism. No, it's, it's, op- it's open commentary. and honest observation and commentary. Yeah, yeah we're, the, we're the commentary guys. That's what we do. There we go. We're not. Hopefully, we're, we're not turning everybody off. Please stick with us; they get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they made it this far into the episode, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I'm, we made it this far into the episode. Yeah, you and me both. I <laughs> I've seen some of these episodes or heard some of these episodes. I actually got our last episode to play on my Amazon Alexa. Believe it or not. You know, I saw that. I'm I'm a little creeped out by that, but hey, all right. So so here's what you do. So this is going to be my commercial for for the evening. Oh dear. Okay. So. How much did they pay us? None. Okay, commercial over. <laughs> yeah. So I guess since they didn't pay us, I can't mention all their names, all the brand names, but I will anyways because okay. otherwise it's not going to work. There, there's a certain company that's located in a rainforest down south somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a van down by the river kind of thing. There you go. So if you would like to hear the Ileana Stock Car Radio podcast on your Amazon Alexa, here's what you do. Pay us uh, money. Pay it well. <laughs> Well, you okay, could, Amazon can pay us money. Amazon, anybody could pay us money. I really like money. Well, me money too. Money is good. It does not grow on. Well, it, it's paper. Oh, it's so sort it of, sort of. It, it, it's kind of a mix. It is kind of a mix. So here's what you do. So obviously, if you have the Amazon Alexa, you probably have on your smartphone the Amazon Alexa app, where you can enable, uh, you know, various skills that Alexa has. Well, in that skill set, you can search for Podbean. That's who hosts this podcast. So if you enable the Podkeen. Pod bean skill, easy enough for me to say. You got through it. I did get through it. Eventually, I'll get through it. So enable the pod bean skill and, and log in with a pod bean account if you have one. And you, you know, you should have one. You could follow this podcast on pod bean. You can log in and have this obviously as your number one favorited podcast on pod bean. You know, pod bean should pick up some of our hosting for this. Well, you know. So then, after you do that, you ask Alexa. To open Podbean and play your number one podcast. Which would be us. Which would be us. Yay! And we'd be there. And you could and, and you could go about your day in your house, whatever you're doing, listening to us on your Amazon Alexa. Complain about racetracks. Complain about racetracks or, you know, talk to great people like Paul Schaefer Jr. Oh, yeah, or Christy Penrod. Definitely or, talking to the great people. That That's what we're here for. That's, that's really what we're here for. We're really not here to do anything else other than just talk to people and... Kind complain of about race wander tracks. aimlessly uh, we're not complaining <laughs> we're we're offering open and honest feedback there you go as as we would like folks to to do with us open and honest feedback we're, we're nostalgic nostalgic that's that's a word now nostalgic we are concerned we're, we're reminiscing about the uh the glory days of when racing was great and three cars finished on the lead la- oh yeah that's nascar Man. again we we just want the sport of stock car racing, especially local stock car racing, to be as healthy as possible. Yes. And we want to attract as many cars as possible to our local short tracks because we want them to stick around. Also, because, yes. The more I can take pictures of, the better. Right. Because, unfortunately, we are in that group that has seen our home tracks close, and we don't want that anymore. So, offering just our, our insights and 
and opinions for what they're not worth. <laughs> so, so that's where well, this we're is at. a free podcast. This is yeah, it is free. So I really, so again, anybody who wants to have a commercial at the end, and you'll hear the commercial here when we finally get to the end. Anybody who wants to have a commercial at the end, you know, we're, we we could use we could use a producer and a, a camper and a helicopter and all the other things we've talked about wanting. Yeah. All right. Anything else we got for this week? Uh, have we rambled enough? I don't know. <laughs> anything means, else you want to ramble? Nope. On? <laughs> that means we've pretty much rambled enough. All right. So uh, I think this is going to be our last episode before Thanksgiving. So definitely want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy the time with family. Enjoy uh, the beginning of the off season. Uh, I guess we're a little ways into the off season now, but well, yeah, the bra- brackets is over. The banquets are going on. It, it's time it's to uh, time to winterize the car and go through oh ten years of pictures that are on the hard drive that I'm trying to get. Over. Never mind. Hey, I, I understand, man. Once the racing season ends, the marketing season begins. There so you go. I, yeah. I definitely yeah, write some proposals. I've already gotten a handful done. So, <laughs> so, uh, so that's where we're at. Again, you can, uh, you can find us on Podbean, find us on iTunes, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're there at Ileana SCR or search Ileana stock car radio, whatever you prefer. Uh, I think that's all we got for this week. So. I think so. So uh, we'll come back to you again in a couple weeks. Again, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, but you know what? I'm not going to say it this no, time. No, you, you got I'm it done already. I'm not going to say it. Don't it's say done it. already. You guys. Uh, just hit the play I'm button. I'm just going to say, uh, you know, to- ta-ta. Toodles. <laughs> Toodles. And we out. You've been listening to the Ileana Stock Car Radio Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by S4 Motorsports Marketing. At S4 Motorsports, the mission is simple, to get your company's message out front through motorsports marketing. For more information on S4 Motorsports and all the latest news and information from the team, check them out on Facebook. And by Goodacre Photography, your source for local motorsports photography, special event photography, and portrait photography since 2007. For more information, check out goodacrephotography.com. For all the latest updates on the Ileana Stock Car Radio podcast, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ileana SCR. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Podbean. We thank you for listening to this week's episode, and until we meet again, keep on turning left.